This show includes adult conversations around sometimes sensitive topics. Check the show notes at cxmhpodcast.com for trigger warnings. You're listening to the CXMH Podcast with Robert Vore and Steve Austin. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Vore. I'm one of your hosts, and I am here, as always, joined by my co-host, Montego Bay. Montego, <laughs> let me ask you, does it bother you that your brother, Michael, makes such bad movies, but he's so much more famous than you? You know I don't know pop culture. What, Michael Bay? That's like a deep pull um, for you? Uh, mm, Transformers, uh, he makes oh, all yeah, those Oh, yeah, I don't know of- that crap. You know, look, Robert, if it is anything sci-fi or fantasy, I have no That's idea not, what the those, crap you're talking about. Those aren't, those are just like big action popcorn movies. Big action popcorn movies. Let me tell you something. I watch stuff like The Notebook, okay? I am a romantic at heart, and if it's not going to make me cry, I probably don't watch it. So uh, the only way that the Transformers or Star Wars or any of that would make me cry is because I'm bored to tears. No, not interested. Keep it. Well, you have successfully alienated probably most listeners and explained why you send me flowers so often. Y'all want to talk about Dementors and Harry Potter. I had no idea what you were talking about. Well, now you're just insulting our own show. It's a a bold (laughs) stance to take. (laughs) No, it was a great interview. I just had no idea what you were talking about. Well, that's a bummer because it was a fantastic uh, And it it has nothing to do with (laughs) – now I feel like crap. It has nothing to do with you uh, or Crazy Pastor. I just, I'm just not a, I'm not a Potterite. Whatever you call this, I don't know, I'm not a sorcerer. <laughs> well, hey, send your hate mail to Steve at imsteveaustin.edu. Oh, keep it. Keep it, because I don't care. How are you doing today, Steve? You know what? I don't care how you're doing. A little you sassy. A little me. sassy is how I <laughs> I don't care how you're doing. (laughs) Whatever. What's going on, pal? Not too much, you know, going along, doing school stuff and work stuff and internship stuff and all that good stuff. Not too much. You're so stupid busy. We used to talk all day during the day, and we don't anymore. My heart has broken in two. Uh, So please don't act like you're not doing much. Well, that's fair. Here's the thing. It's a lot easier to text you while I'm teaching high schoolers like I was doing than it is to uh, (laughs) text you while I'm seeing clients in counseling. So That might be rude. Hey, hey, bro, hang on. I know you sit over there on the couch telling me about your deepest, darkest wings, but hold on real quick. I got to hit Steve up. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be Uh, right back with you. Especially because our text messages usually make me laugh at least a little. So. <laughs> they might be slightly inappropriate at least 50% of the time. For sure. For uh, sure. No, it's, it's going, going well. Excited to watch some football tomorrow. We're recording this on Friday, so that right, isn't going to make any sense. To, oh, gosh. You are, this whole episode so far, the, you're the worst. <laughs> Montego Bay's brother Michael. What? <laughs> T- 
totally lost me. Well, that's all right. Totally Somebody lost me. Somebody out yeah. there thought that intro. Hey, can I, let's was talk awesome. about my fear is that my kid is going to grow up to be one of those guys. Like he already, he talks about Star Wars characters like I have a clue what he's talking about. No idea. I'm like, please, God, I love my son unconditionally. However, if he's going to grow up and be a sci-fi or a fantasy fan, we're going to have a problem. So you're, just to clarify, one of your biggest fears is that your son is going to grow up to have his own interests and things he enjoys, <laughs> and that is going to cause a problem for you. Why are you making me out to be a jerk today? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? You're trying to get rid of me? Look, I'm just saying future Ben is going to listen to this. and Is this, is this like Regis and Kelly? You're trying to get rid of me so that you can have, oh, another Michael, whatever his name was. Michael he was a Strahan. football player. Sure, Strahan. Yeah, and then he left, and then uh, what's his face, Ryan? God, yeah, the person who could not possibly need another job. This is a pop culture-filled intro. Uh, speaking of pop culture, I started over on Will and Grace episode one yesterday. Oh my, oh. So good. The amount of one-liners in one episode, it is amazing. The writers of that show, oh my god, so brilliant, so funny. I drank cheap beer and ate Domino's Thin Crust Pizza to celebrate the day that I did not die yesterday, and I watched Will and Grace. There I binge-watched. Yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> you know what's funny is yeah. that a few days ago, you called me. I was doing a ministry event. You called me and left me... <laughs> a hilarious voicemail about how sure. you were trying out new podcasts. And here we are. And that all the podcasts you were trying out the first like half hour was just bullshit. Just crap. Just absolute crap. And look, <laughs> I try to listen to certain new podcasts. I try to listen to a podcast or two that's new that I've never listened to um, every week. And oh my God, like I was on a roll of listening to like, I'm like, you have an hour and a half show, that's cool. But when the first 30 minutes is bull crap, oh my gosh, you've lost me. Like, I'm not listening. And here, look at us right now. Here that's we are. That's true. We, to, in our defense, Crapping it up. I make sure that our intros are no longer than like 10 minutes at the max. Oh God, that's a long time. I edit a lot of stuff out if need be. You know what? Hey, hang on. Let me interpret that. I edit a lot of stuff out if need be. What that means is I cut half of what Steve says. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man, that's great. That's awesome. Hey, I did want to mention, uh, we were actually just talking about this before we hopped on, uh, I am selling some t-shirts for Suicide Prevention Month. Some of the proceeds of that goes directly to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. So you can go to robert-vore.com slash store if you're interested in those shirts. I made a v-neck just for Steve. Hey, and for the month of September, which this still is for a couple of days, you're doing a fantastic sale on suicide prevention training that is true if you contact me if we book something like get it anywhere on the schedule but we do the actual booking by the end of september it's 10 percent off the entire training no matter so to how be many clear people. 
I can get on your website and book it on September 30th and not do it until March 30th. But as long as I book it by the end of the month, I get the 10% off. Absolutely. Well, hey, I'll tell you about our interview today because you weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got the chance to talk with Zach Hogue, who some folks might know, but he's the author of the new book, The Light is Winning, as well as a pretty prominent Christian blogger and on Twitter presence and things like that. So we had a great conversation about TV shows, some of his favorites. He references a bunch of TV shows in that book, so I had to ask about some of that. Uh, as well as the book itself, how he kind of arrives at the conclusion that the light is winning when sometimes when we look around, we see a whole lot of darkness and, and tragedy and things like that. So uh, it's a fantastic interview. It's a great book. I think you, Steve, will enjoy it. I think the listeners will as well. All right. All right. Well, is that it? I think so. Anything else from you? You want to say without further ado? Nah. You hadn't said it in so long. Come on. I know. I only said it for a handful in the middle. It was sort of in the middle. Okay. No. All right. Here is our interview with Zach Hogue. All right. Today, I am so excited to be joined by Zach Hogue, who some of you might have interacted with on Twitter some. Zach is an author, preacher, and creator from New England. He has an awesome story of a church plant that went really well and then didn't go well, if that's kind of a fair (laughs) summary there. Uh, We'll get into that. Uh, He is also a a blogger and then the author of the recently released book, The Light is Winning, Why Religion Just Might Bring Us Back to Life. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. For our guests who might not know, or our listeners, you're the guest, who might not know too much about you, maybe you've never heard of you, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, you said a little bit of it there, but um, but basically I am uh, an author with, with uh, Zondervan, uh, just released a book called The Light is Winning, and uh, really excited about that. I'm also just a you know a writer and blogger. I'm a former church planter, and uh, and uh, a lot of that kind of informs uh, my writing, the, the story that I've uh, sort of uh, lived out in, in, in at least the story so far and, uh, and, and where that might be going. And, uh, and yeah, and I, you know, have a, a wonderful wife and, uh, three, uh, little girls who are just amazing. And we live in Vermont, the, the land of Ben, Jerry and Bernie, you know, so, <laughs> so life is good. Life is good. <laughs> yeah. So this book. I'll, I'll have you tell some of the backstory of it in a second here, but I have to tell you, I loved this book, and I'm going to tell you why, because I don't know that there could be a more timely book, I feel like, for the times that we're living in. And I know some yeah. you know people toss around like, oh, times we're living in or whatever. But honestly, so I read this back, I guess, April or May. It came out in June. And even since then, just the amount of things uh, that are happening in our nation, in the world at large, uh, yeah. with political things and, and natural things, you know, it's, uh, I find m- myself more and more needing the reassurance that the light is winning, in fact. Yes, yes. So uh, before mm. we get into necessarily the, well, uh, just go for it. Tell us a little bit about the backstory of the book, right? You tell an amazing story of your family life. Uh, and then right. planning a church and all that. So tell us uh, a little bit about all that. Definitely, definitely. And, and thanks for those 
kind words. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, you know, um, I, again, yes, yeah, it's, it's an interesting story and an interesting journey. I, I, uh, um, when I was 10 years old, uh, my, my parents, my, my father was, was a, a church planter at the time. Uh, my parents decided to move our family, uh, to East Texas from Miami, Florida, uh, to East Texas. And, uh, and, uh, the reason for that was because the uh, they had caught wind of uh, of a, a church in East Texas and and a particular uh, teaching that was kind of popular at this uh, church and uh, coming from a particular leader that they were just really mesmerized by and uh, and so uh, at ten years old uh, you know we uprooted and moved to uh, this uh, little tiny East Texas town called Jasper and uh, and to ostensibly be part of this church and uh, um, my father hoping to to be in leadership and uh, and and this story uh, began to unfold uh, of uh, just really uh, intense uh, drastic uh, uh, oppression and control in this church community and uh, and as I have come to understand and learn and grow in my own uh my own life and in my own faith um it it really was uh, a cult and i've come to realize uh that it was a cult so we moved to a texas cult at, when i was 10 years old yeah. and uh it, it, we were there for a few years uh um this uh this place was uh was again a, a kind of a draw had a draw on a lot of people there were a lot of folks who moved from out of state like we did and uh, and the aftermath, the outcome of uh, this uh, particular ministry really has been uh, just uh, shipwrecked lives, a lot of destruction, uh, um, a lot of uh, um, real deep harm, and, and people who have uh, had to come to terms with a lot in the years uh, following. And, uh, and, and I'm one of those people, you know. And, and so, uh, so after a few years, our family left uh, that church and kind of began a, a church planting odyssey up the east coast um but really we never kind of left the the teaching and the mentality and the ideology um that was absorbed uh during our time in texas we never left that behind it, it really kind of stuck with us and so there was a lot of deep uh unhealth and and uh um uh, just harmful stuff happening within our family unit and in these ministries that my father attempted to to start and uh eventually that led to our, our family moving to vermont of all places about as far from uh from an east texas <laughs> you know <laughs> rural town as you could possibly get uh but uh but uh you know again there these these um deep rooted things were kind of still present in our family and for me personally it's just been a a process a process of of uh, disentangling myself from so many of those uh harmful ideas and practices that um that i knew even at the time were were wrong this hyper controlling uh, aggressive and and harmful hurtful uh, kind of religion, but 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 it still took me a long time to uh, un uh, uh, tangle myself from uh, from that, and uh, and so yeah, so so um, then uh, of course there's uh, there's the bit about uh, me actually even in my own ministry uh, planting a church and and trying to fix a lot of those problems and a lot of the problems that I that I was seeing in the the church in general and even that coming to a really hard and and painful end and having to kind of deal with that um, that the aftermath of that. 
So, yeah, so it's it's a tough story. Uh, And I hope you're not hearing like a ton of kids craziness in the background. (laughs) My kids just got home. So (laughs) that's all right. That's all right. It it has a good uh, underscoring to what you're saying here. Yes. Right. No, well, that, so that was one of the things that really struck me in reading the bits of the, because your story is kind of interwoven throughout the book as you're explaining kind of these theological ideas as well. And what struck me about it is, A, the, I mean, you even said it there, it ended up, you can view it now as a cult, right? The things that you were writing about experiencing, I was picturing, you know, some made for TV movie, just from a place of I've never experienced that. It's not a thing that I would uh, say is a very common experience, at least in my life there. And undoubtedly, there are plenty of people who've experienced that kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. And then the second one was just the level of longstanding trauma, right? I mean, we were talking a bit before this and, and you said, hey, I don't have any, you know, mental health credentials, which is totally fine. It's yeah. a faith podcast yeah, as well. Right. But the amount of uh, things that came from that, I mean, trauma, there's not really any other way of saying it, that then you spend the next, you know, however, 10, 20, 15, however many years of your life kind of unlearning and working through and sorting, hey, wh- which of this is good, which of this isn't good. And it adds another level of it when it's, hey, the things that I've, I've, found myself wrapped up with God how do how do you peel those things apart because that's such a hard thing to say hey the the things that I need to unlearn are things that I've learned about God but that now I think maybe aren't actually true about God yeah yeah no that that is such a good question I think maybe that's been the hardest part because so much of how we understand God, the the character of God, uh, um, the the person uh, of God that we're in relationship with, um, is almost unconscious or subconscious. There's a sense that we we have absorbed something, absorbed a sense of who God is, and uh, and it goes so deep into uh, um, the roots of our consciousness, and so we 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 don't necessarily necessarily uh you know think about all of those deep roots and and uh, and I don't think I did I think I just had absorbed so much but uh but in the years um uh, really throughout my adult life and especially uh in the years following the end of our our church plant which have been really um just pivotal and transitional years uh for me and for our, our little family um you know my my understanding of who God is has changed drastically. And, uh, and and even though that process was underway for quite a while, the reality of it has really started to sink in uh, these last five years or so. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and I think, you know, it, what it comes down to, I mean, there's a, there's kind of the, the theological maybe dimension of this, which is coming to understand God uh, as being perfectly and fully revealed in the person of Jesus. And that's something I never truly grabbed onto, even though maybe I could have rattled that off (laughs) verbally or intellectually or something, but it wasn't something that I had deeply grabbed onto. And, uh, and that's something that has just begun to sink in, uh, at that kind of deep, uh, um, level under the surface of, of, of things. And, uh, and then also maybe even beyond the theology, um, this sense that, that, uh, that God, uh, is perfect love, uh, and perfect justice all at the same time, mm-hmm. but that 
love and that justice are never aimed uh, at the innocent or the vulnerable never aimed uh, at uh, in some way, um, you know, trying to uh, um, condemn uh, those who um, are in a space of of really needing to understand and embrace uh, uh, their own belovedness. And so so to be basically to be able to grab on to that was huge for me because I could have said God was God is love. But I would say also, I'm a terrible sinner, you know, also yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm under God's wrath, you know, also, uh, I have, I'm, I, there's so much wrong with me that God is not okay with, and I've got to figure out how to fix those things. And I'm living under this system of, of rules that, that are oppressing me because I know I'm so bad, I'm so wrong and God must be so disappointed. So, so you could say God is love, but, but to know that God's love and God's justice are aimed at restoring us, not not at condemning us, not at oppressing us. This yeah. this was a radical um, re uh, uh, sort of configuration of my whole uh, understanding and really my relationship with God uh, too. To think that I'm I'm wow I'm truly beloved by God, yeah. that that is God's disposition towards me all the time is is radically it just undoes everything um, that I had previously thought. Yeah. And I think you touched on something there that has been huge for me, and I think I picked it up from Brian Zond, but you certainly address it here as well. The idea of justice, there being um, retributive justice, which we think of, you know, punishing and things like that, but that there's a different type of justice that's restorative justice, and that's the justice of God. And I think there's something so huge about that shift in thinking, even when thinking about, you know, the way that we do prison or the way that we teach our kids or the way that you know, yeah. interact with other people instead of, hey, you get what's coming to you. It's a type of justice that restores out of a sense of love instead of kind of this, you know, Zeus thunderbolt tossing God. Yeah, yeah, that's no, that's exactly right. I think in a way there's, uh, again, so, sort of a we, we think of love and justice as juxtaposed in some way, like God is loving, but he's not that loving <laughs> because <laughs> because he also has to be just and justice and love are sort of these opposite poles, maybe like a yin and yang type of thing. Right. And, and they're kind of pulling against each other, but, but, but maybe creating something in the tension. And, and, and for me, that's not at all the understanding justice flows from love, right? There's a, a kind of justice um, that flows from perfect love, which is a uh, setting all things right and 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 bringing healing uh to what is uh, wounded and to what is diseased and to what is broken there's a there's a a sense that um there's a recognition of something is wrong here that has to be made right but what is uh, is occurring is restoration uh not uh this this condemning punitive kind yeah. Of, of justice and and likewise on, on the other side I mean clearly uh, um, God is love but what what is love unless love is is making right what's wrong yeah. you know to leave uh, uh, things uh, as they are uh, where there's uh, there's so much injustice and oppression and abuse and 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 widespread uh, um, harm happening uh, throughout the world for all any number of of reasons uh, uh, in any number of ways, what is love if it isn't coming in to restore 
uh, justice, to lift up the oppressed, to defend those who are vulnerable and uh, and who are being uh, abused and harmed. Uh, this, I think is again is not a it's not two poles it's just one and the same thing love and justice going hand in hand uh, because you really can't have one without the other that's so good okay so this book centers around the idea of apocalypse yeah which sounds a little depressing maybe at first but you have a, a different definition which actually is the original definition uh, but it's it's an eruption of the real right what yeah, is what is that right. what does that mean yeah, well, you know, apocalypse is um, is an interesting word because literally it just means revealing and uh, or or unveiling or disclosing. It's it's uh, just a a, a taking uh, a removal of the curtain, right? A pulling back of the curtain. That that's what apocalypse literally uh, means, and that's why the book of Revelation uh, is also known as the Apocalypse of John. It's sure. John's revelation, right? It's it's a revealing. And uh, and so that 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 word apocalypse um, really implies that there is a a, um, a truth under the surface that must be revealed, yeah. and uh, that there are times and seasons in which uh, a kind of revelation visits us uh, in a way that is unique. And uh, and those times of revealing are, are are pivotal, critical times to to disclose what has been hidden and to reveal what has been kind of kept uh, under the surface and and to uh, and to finally bring into the light what's been held at bay. And and I think we're in one of those times. I think we're yeah. in a time uh, where um, there is a lot about American Christianity that is being revealed, and uh, the decline of Christian faith in the. U.S. in general, and maybe some of these uh, specific um, cultural and political realities that we're facing right now in particular are accomplishing that revealing. They're, they're really blowing the lid off uh, of, uh, of a lot of what's been happening, maybe behind closed doors or under the surface or in some way uh, kept behind a veil of, of piety or uh, spirituality or religion a sense that everything is is fine here you know nothing to see and 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 now well now it's all coming out hidden motivations and and practices that are that are truly harmful truly unjust truly oppressive are all of a sudden being disclosed uh, um, just uh, um, in incredible and sometimes shocking ways yeah. and uh, yeah, and that's an eruption, right? That that's the reality suddenly yeah. erupting, uh, as if almost out of nowhere. It's it's it, what was boiling, brewing under the surface has now exploded into the light of day, and we're and we're seeing it all over the place. Yeah, I mean, when when you're saying that, and even when I'm reading the book, I, I'm thinking about three different kind of areas of that, right? In your story, you have the beginning chunk where you're in this cult with your parents and things where you pick yeah. up a lot of bad bad theology i think you would agree with that's not a judgment mm -hmm. statement that's just a you know i think that's you would agree accurate. with that and then there's the second chunk where you kind of pretend like maybe not pretend but you honestly think you've moved past a lot of that and you are trying yeah. to move forward right and start a ministry and then there's kind of the third act i know you're a tv and film guy yes there's the third act where what you realize is that the second act was kind of you trying to build something on that unsure foundation that you would come from in the first place and you thought that you were moving on but you weren't really and so it all comes breaking through and then it can actually heal right 
That's it. That's so I'm it. thinking about that in terms of your story in the book, and then I'm thinking about it in terms of the political and Christian decline that we're seeing, right? I would say that for most of my life, I was born in 1990. Good thing Steve, the co-host, isn't here to make fun of me for being young. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, for most of my life, I feel like we've been in the second act because what I learned in school was that the civil rights movement happened, you know, and then now it's done. We, it's fine. Now everything's good. Uh, and not just with civil rights and racism, but with a lot of things, you know, and it seemed like everything was kind of fine and we've moved past that. And then now it seems like we're hitting the third act where we realize, hey, all the things that we thought were fine, we've just kind of tossed a rug on top of the volcano that was brewing in our living room and said it was fine, but it's not. It's now breaking through, which I think is where I find a lot of hope in what, what you've written here, and I referenced it at the beginning, but the only way that I can look at Charlottesville or, you know, things like that happening and, and honestly find any hope in it is the sense that, hey, that was already there and we've been kind of yeah. pretending that it wasn't all this time, but yes. like the only way that we can actually move past it as a culture, as a faith, as a group of people is for it to fully come out so we can actually deal with it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, isn't that exactly it? I mean, there there's almost a sense in which um, to to kind of put a, a, you know something of a, of a band aid or to seek out those those temporary uh, fixes. Let's fix the problem. You know, there's 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 a problem here. We can we can fix it. We can recoup our losses. We can turn turn the ship around. You know, yeah. uh, um, there's there's a way to fix this. You know, there there's a way to patch things up. And and I think that's been our mentality um, as uh, um, well as 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 Americans, but also as American Christians that we yeah. have have felt that well, you know, sure there there may be this or that little issue here or there, um, and we've treated it as somewhat. Mild or we can fix it, we can, you know, turn this thing around. It's, it's not a big deal, or at least, uh, or maybe there's an anxiety at least about like, well, how do we fix it? You know, how do we, how do we uh, come up with a solution um, that will really keep us institutionally safe? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and that being really kind of a primary, uh, motivator, how do we, how do we keep the growth happening? How do we get people in the doors? How do we attract seekers and now millennials? Or, or or the next generation. Yeah, how do we keep people coming to the doors and attract them? And and there are these this idea that we can fix things. But yes, I don't think it's even possible uh, to put those kinds of fixes onto a uh, a, a place of uh, unhealth and uh, dysfunction that is so deep. Yeah. The only way for that to be healed uh, is for it to be fully revealed first. You know, it has to come out fully in that brutally honest kind of way into the light of day. And uh, and I think in a lot of ways, you know, that's that's what Jesus himself uh, was talking about when he described his own ministry as uh, as being a ministry of light. And and those who are of the light bring their deeds into the light. Um, and uh, and so the, the the point is to bring this thing called American Christianity into the light to let it be exposed and and as painful as that exposure can be uh, because uh, even in the process of being exposed it causes more harm right you know when we see um, you know 
influential evangelical leaders or organizations saying and doing things in these times that hurt vulnerable, marginalized people, it it hurts. It feels like just the reopening of wounds. It it just it's it's harmful, and yet I don't think we're ever going to get to that place of true deep healing unless we see it for what it is. Yeah unless it is kind of fully laid out there for everyone to to see and it's um and it's necessary not just for those of us maybe who have already started to take some steps towards healing but it's but it's really necessary uh, for those who are still caught in uh um some of these very uh ideological um uh practices that um that they also need to see it fully revealed that maybe uh, someone uh, somewhere uh, can 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 see the, the the error in it and start to change course. So so I think it's necessary for all of us, you know. Yeah. And yeah. So to tie it into some mental health stuff because the show is what it is. The yeah. third way that I was thinking about it is in a sense of our own pain, our own worst bits, right? And we kind of try to hide them away, but it, it does nothing genuine generally gets uh, really healed until we expose it and deal with it and talk about it and so i'm thinking about you know uh, my own struggles with depression or suicidal thoughts or things like that yes. and trying to kind of say no i'm fine i can work through this but it's not until it kind of comes to a head and erupts that then you know i get into some therapy i start talking openly about it and then yes. all the healing has happened there and so i know a lot of folks that listen to the show will relate to some of that of trying to kind of say, no, I, I'm, this is fine. This is fine. I can, I can wallpaper over it. But then right. all of a sudden, once it breaks loose and you can talk about it openly, which as you said, hurts like hell, you know, it, mm -hmm. there's no way of saying, oh, it's really comfortable to talk about being suicidal. You know, it's not, but yeah. on the other side of that is actual healing is kind of the third yes. act of that. Uh, there's a, yes. a quote in here that I had underlined that uh, I'm going to read, it says, in, or you write, I guess, in our great pain, we have the opportunity to discover our deep loves, to open up a whole new kind of life, the depths of which we can hardly imagine. If we let go of who we've been trying to be and open up to who we really are, who we are meant to become, then our flourishing is just on the horizon. I thought yes. it was beautiful. It actually reminded me a lot of uh, Jonathan Martin's How to Survive a Shipwreck, because he right. talks a lot about some of that same stuff. Once you finally go deep into the worst of it, then you can come through it and be even better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful idea. Mm. Oh, thanks. I agree. And yeah, it is a sense in which, you know, it, it's kind of a counterintuitive thing, you know, that, that we have to go uh, into these deep, dark places in order to find the light. And if we don't, we'll always be in a kind of fog you know, uh, if we want to break through into that fullness of life and and joy and to experience things fully, it, it, we have to really step into the dark places first. Absolutely. Yeah. So let me ask you, there is a lot of TV reference. I know we're shifting gears pretty quick here. Uh, That's okay. There's a lot of TV references in this book, which I think helps to make it pretty relatable. How much do you watch TV? Yeah, um, too much, maybe. <laughs> That's debatable. But yeah, oh, you know, and I used to be embarrassed about uh, my love for TV. You know, there I would kind of not, you know, mention it in, in polite company. You know? 
just how just how much I really love television because it's not like just a, a you know whatever oh something's on turn it on whatever uh, it's I really do like love the medium you know it's something that's extremely special to me and always has been and it honestly goes back to really you know growing up in difficult circumstances TV was was a place for me to really find uh, solace and comfort and a connection to the world and uh, so so TV is really important to me um but uh, yeah i watch a lot you know i i think especially in this age of uh of bingeable uh series uh it is uh, it's just like a tv lover's dream you know yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely and I, I do think there is something i mean i said it kind of jokingly but i do think there's something powerful about stories that we can relate to right whole other worlds that have different yeah. settings and different characters but the amount of things that you relate to in the book that are direct correlations, ways that we can see ourselves in characters, I think is um, one of the reasons I love stories as well. Um, what are you watching currently? Yeah, I have been, well, obviously there's there's Game of Thrones, which is kind of like, I feel like everybody watches, at least everyone who who, who can afford uh, HBO. And, uh, and I have actually a friend who has given me their password. So that's why I can... <laughs> Uh, so, I was going to so, say, I'm going to yeah, have to Mark, admit to you that uh, I have not watched, I, that's not true, I watched uh, like half of the first episode of Game of Thrones and I thought it was boring and I turned it off. Don't hate me. Right. Right. Uh, okay. I think I had just read the first book and I don't know, it, did, it didn't catch me and eh. but, yes. but I've heard phenomenal things. I'm sure had I stuck with it longer than, you know, 20 minutes, I would love it the same as everybody else. That's right. That's right. It It is a great show i mean it's it, it isn't for everyone and i think you know it, it's a it's a particular uh genre that that maybe doesn't have some of the narrative or character depth that other shows have so i can totally see how it you know wouldn't be necessarily for everybody another another one also an hbo show a series that wrapped up just recently was the leftovers and i can't recommend it enough it is just mm -hmm an extremely compelling, uh, powerful show. Uh, and uh, it's by Damon uh, Lindelof, who, okay. who did Lost. Yeah. It is way, I feel like, almost a like a perfection or a next step in the Lost uh, genre concept, which is kind of a thing Ooh. unto itself. And, uh, so so um, the first season starts off a little bit slow. Uh, season two is maybe the one of the best seasons of TV I've ever seen. I mean, just really mind-blowing, uh, um, groundbreaking, innovative, meaningful stuff. Uh, season three is a very perfect wrap-up, and it's just a three-season series, so very digestible to so it's, you can watch it on like a, you know, on a week off of work or something, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to find a, a friend to borrow HBO from because yeah, Lost right. is my favorite television program of all time. Yes. It's amazing. I've seen Lost probably the first four seasons. I've probably seen them five times because I kept introducing people to them and then watching it with them. And uh, so good. So it good. Is. Yeah, you'll love this then. You, it is really like a, a, it's so much of this cut from the same cloth as Lost, even though it's a totally different, you know, storyline, world, universe, whatever. It's still really, really powerful how it's connected. Yeah. Okay. So one question that I did want to ask that I forgot because I started talking about TV shows. Um, <laughs> you talk some about 
the deconstruction process. We mentioned it earlier, but peeling away the things about God that aren't actually about God and trying to decide what's what. So that process is long and painful, right? Especially you talk a lot about starting your own ministry and finding your identity in that and uncovering yeah. some of those things. So how do you move through that? Because we've got a lot of listeners who are maybe in the midst of that, uh, who for one reason or another, maybe they t- tried to talk about their mental health at church and were told they couldn't or things like that. How do you get through that deconstruction process and move on to something beyond that that is a new, authentic faith? Yeah, you know, um, deconstruction is such an interesting thing because when you're in it, it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere good or it doesn't feel like it's necessarily going to end uh, and something new is going to start. It kind of feels like you're just letting go of stuff. Yeah. And it's just this perpetual letting go, and and I and I compare it to to the kind of the biblical idea of the wilderness because I think uh, the wilderness is a, a perfect metaphor for how deconstruction feels. You know, you don't know that you're ever gonna get out of it. It doesn't feel necessarily uh, like something you're just going to quickly navigate through. You feel like you're wandering. You know, and uh, and 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 it's a it's a desert of deconstruction. You know, and and I think that um, as hard as it is, because it doesn't feel like there's a destination, um, I would just want to encourage everyone uh, to, even in the midst of that, to to trust and maybe even hope in the idea that there that this process will kind of come to a conclusion. And rebuilding will start, Hmm. you know, maybe we never stop after we've accepted and embraced deconstruction. We've never stopped. We'll we'll never stop deconstructing, you know, in some way. But but that that really intense season where you're just you're in the wilderness and everything you just seem to be questioning everything and letting go of so much that you have held on to so tightly for so long it feels like it just it's never going to end or there's never going to be any any upswing any 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 um recovery any redemption you know uh, but there but there is and and so uh, it's necessary to move through that wilderness process but deconstruction doesn't have to be demolition it doesn't have to be the end of the story um, there can be a beautiful uh, rebuilding, uh, 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 like a resurrection that happens um, uh, in the uh, aftermath of that deconstructive season. So so right where you are, God is with you. God is pleased with you. You are God's beloved, and, and uh, God is not far from you. But keep pressing through because something um, beautiful is coming on the other side of that wilderness. The place of promise is, is, is right around the corner. Mm, that is so good. Thank you. Mm. Hey, if yeah. you want to connect with Zach, you can find him on social media at Zhog. That's Z-H-A. Wait, I did it wrong. Z-H-O-A-G. 
It's Got embarrassing. It. I was reading it off a no piece worries. of paper and said it backwards. <laughs> or you can find them at zhoog.com. You can also check out, since you're listening to podcasts, you can check out The Lightcast. That is his podcast. Uh, or you can follow the show notes. There's a link to this book on Amazon, The Light is Winning, Why Religion Just Might Bring Us Back to Life. I cannot recommend it enough. Steve isn't here. If you want to connect with him, you can find him on social media at IamSteveAustin or at IamSteveAustin.net. You can connect with me on social media at Robert Vore or at Robert-Vore.com. Man, that's a, that's a whole lot of things to say. Uh, <laughs> Zach, any closing words for our listeners today? You know, um, I, I think my only closing thought would be that there is so much grace for you wherever you are on the journey. And, um, and don't be afraid uh, if things are changing drastically. Uh, don't be afraid because that kind of change is what comes before the light breaks in and, 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 and it will break in. So good. Well, thank you for joining me and talking to us today. I really appreciate it. Go connect with Zach. Buy this book. You won't regret it, I promise. Uh, awesome. Zach, have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much, Robert. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the CXMH podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMHpodcast at gmail.com. A final note. If you're in a dark place today, struggling with suicidal thoughts, you are not alone. Professional help is available 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255.